hello, friends. Welcome. This is Conversations with Alan, the first ever Conversation with Alan podcast. My name is Phil. So glad that you are with us. And uh, who else is with us today? I'm Mariana. Hello, Mariana. It's funny to have my first ever conversation with Alan. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've had millions of conversations, but this one's the first recorded. That's right. Only say things you're proud of because we're recording it. <laughs> and I'm Alan. I guess I got to be here if there's a conversation. <laughs> that's, with me, true. So. that's true. This would not be. That's a great point. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. I wonder really. how much, how many conversations do you have with yourself? Oh, let's not go there. But <laughs> maybe so, we will okay, get real there. quick, but. Who? What? What do you do, Mariana? Here with the church, just so everybody knows. Yes, yeah, so I'm part of the communication team and digital ministry team and teaching team, and about every podcast that we ever do here. So I'm excited for this one. And you are absolutely amazing at what you do. Just so you know, oh, that. on multiple levels. But with these yep. podcasts, you have been killing it. So thank you. I love doing it. Thank you. And I'm Alan Kraft. Um, I don't know. I uh, love the Lord. I'm on our directional team at Christ Community, so I'm in leadership here and involved in uh, teaching and some prayer ministry stuff and vision stuff. Very cool. We, we might call you the uh, lead pastor around That'd here. Be fine. That might be another title that, that gets yep. thrown your way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm the executive pastor here uh, with Christ Community, which again takes me lots of places, like conversations with Alan Podcast. So um, thanks for having me. And yeah. you know, really, kind of, uh, you know, we were talking even before we pushed record. I mean, the, the heart here is is really just to hear your heart, Alan. Honestly, mm-hmm. um, we just want to uh, take some moments to unpack different things that you're exploring, different. Um, who knows where this can go over time. Um, but, uh, I think it's just been fun for all of us at different moments in time to, to hear you, uh, talk about things. And I think multiple times, Mariana and I have both said, Oh man, wouldn't it be great if we yeah. could get down on a podcast yeah. and just hear his heart, hear what God mm-hmm. is doing, what's stirring, um, where he's taking you. And so, like I said, who knows where yeah. this podcast goes in a big picture sense, mm-hmm. but we're launching, uh, this one, uh, with kind of a fun project that you're working on. You've been working on for a while yep. and, uh, it's been this intimacy with Jesus class and, uh, that's, you know, had some different iterations over the last year and, and you've taught it. Uh, you've got a new one coming up here in a few weeks uh, that you're launching, not a new one, but a, a, a new version of that. Yep. And, uh, so what we wanted to do, thought it'd be fun is just to take some of the themes that that class has, uh, and, and over the next, uh, seven or so conversations, just, just to Again, hear your heart, hear, and allow all of us just to kind of unpack these ideas, and, and that's going to guide our, our first few weeks at it. So, sound good? Yeah, Feel sounds good great. Yeah. Okay. Well, so, <laughs> to, to jump right in, um, this, maybe just, I don't know, I'd love to hear kind of your story a little bit as it relates to this idea of intimacy with Jesus. Um, so you've created this class, you, you have this desire to take people through it, but why, why do this? Why create um, an opportunity uh, for people to do this from a personal perspective? Yeah, uh, I think it really is a core passion of mine. It, it probably just came out of this, my own journey of longing for a relationship with God that wasn't just a cognitive thing. And in seminary, just kind of wrestling some with a lot of information about the Bible and learning Greek and all this stuff, but longing for um, a very real experience with God, but also not feeling like the church as a whole really offered that or 
at least they were pretty skeptical of it. Um, and so it kind of initially sort of played out in this uh, just desire to get to know the Holy Spirit, who is the Holy Spirit, and can we experience him? And again, even that in evangelical circles kind of makes people nervous. But for me, it was like, if it's not real, why are we doing it? Mm. <laughs> so if this relationship with Jesus isn't real to us, if it's just sort of a intellectual yeah. exercise that we do, yeah. um, then that I'm not really interested in that. And yeah. so, you know, you look at the New Testament then and the experience there, it seems like this is a, a relationship with Christ is a dynamic um, experience that Jesus invites us into. Abide in me, I'll abide in you. It's this with experience with Jesus. So often I think um, for many evangelicals, we're striving to live for Jesus and that's just exhausting. And I've done mm -hmm. that. Um, and I think the water for my soul is this idea of actually living with, walking with Jesus. That's so good. Um, that is, that is life to my soul. That's, uh, the way I think Jesus invites us to experience him. So that's why it's a personal passion, mm -hmm. um, for me personally, and also for our church and anyone that I am in my teaching or whatever. I want people to walk away from any sermon with a greater desire to hang out with Jesus, to experience him, greater tools or thoughts that would help move them in that direction. That's so good. And I love that about, obviously, if anybody knows you, this is so clear how passionate you are in this, but I love how this transforms that whole topic of performance Christianity yep. into a relationship with Jesus Christianity. And that to me too is such a core part of my journey as well. I relate so much with what you share and I really appreciate continually, you know, it's watering this plant. It's an everyday thing. It's not something you did once and you forget, but watering that that idea that Jesus is a person that you have a relationship with, that you're doing life with, that you're following rather than concepts or things to do. And it sounds basic, but it's easier said than done. How are we really experiencing that as Christians in yeah. our daily lives? And I think that's why, that's how this class, um, you mentioned that the class, how that, came to be was probably this was this idea that our purpose is to help people follow Jesus and we've defined that in a particular way as a church as, you know all things with Christ as a thriving family for all people so it's it's a person who is experiencing this all things with Christ lifestyle they are walking with Jesus and they're doing that they're connected in in family and in a, in a Christ-centered family, you know, that kind of uh, thriving as a, in a family. And then they have this heartbeat for all people, you know, this kind of missional heartbeat to move towards people. Mm -hmm. So when we thought about, hey, this is how we're defining discipleship, it just made sense to me. What are, what are some ways we can actually help people grow in these things? And this particular one is a huge passion of mine. And so that's what kind of started me on that journey, grabbing a team of people and trying to think through what 
would it look like to help people grow in this particular aspect of following Jesus? Yeah. All right. Well, okay. If I'm, so I'm listening to your story and I'm making some assumptions about your story. So correct me if I'm wrong, because I could be totally wrong. But it seems like since seminary, there was a moment in time uh, where you started having some ahas about how you were pursuing Jesus and then kind of what you're talking about now. And there's some pretty big differences between the two. If you can go back however long ago that was, like what... What are some things when you're just thinking through, like, cause I'm trying to, I'm trying to put myself in your story and I'm trying to look and say, okay, where am I at in this pursuit of Jesus? How am I following him? Uh, where's this attraction to intimacy or not? And so for me, I'd love to hear kind of those moments of tension in your story where you just realize, man, I've been doing it this way for so long and it's just not working. What, I don't know if that makes any sense what I'm asking there. Yeah. So initially it really was, it was about the Holy spirit. It was this hunger for the Holy Spirit, not really growing up in that kind of an environment church-wise and not seeing it a lot at, in the seminary necessarily, but there were some stirrings at that time um, through John Wimber and the Vineyard Movement, some of those things that were stirring this in me. So it initially was just this hunger to experience and encounter God. But what I found in my journey was kind of a, a breaking point in, in four years into ministry here where I started having panic attacks and um, didn't know what was going on and realized that I had been living this Christianity that was completely detached from my heart in, in a sense that, not that I wouldn't experience emotions, but I had, I had no awareness of what was going on in me, why mm. I was so driven, why I was so into performance Christianity, mm. why this church had to grow, you know, and I was so intense about that. Um, and so God used that season to really help open my eyes to see that all things with Christ, intimacy with Christ means into me see, you know, that old saying about intimacy, but that really was real for me. It mm. was like I was living mm. this Christian life and I was completely unaware of how how broken mm. um, I was inside and what was driving me. And I had no kind of very little self-awareness of my own heart mm. and my own insecurities and my own fears and, and things like that. And so that really became a huge moment for me, a huge season for me and the start of a long, you know, it's probably whatever, 25 years ago of a journey of discipleship that engages the heart. I mean, if, if Jesus is not connecting with my heart where I'm at and I'm not aware of where I'm at, there's no way to really experience him in that place. Mm. And so then we're just doing religion. Then we're just going through the motions. And so mm. um, somehow that that was very eye-opening. I had I didn't have any during seminary or early on after seminary. That was I had no I had no paradigm for that. I thought I was actually doing spiritual maturity and living it mm. out. I was a pastor and I wasn't. I wasn't spiritually mature mm. because I had no awareness of my own heart. Where do you think you would have ended up had you not turned this corner? Hmm. <laughs> well, I think I would have, yeah, had probably a horrible 
from my perspective, I would have not had a healthy marriage because mm-hmm. um, I was not a, that healthy of a person in terms of my interpersonal relationships. Mm. So there's a lot of drivenness, a lot of, you know, about that was about me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I think I, um, there was an exhaustion that comes with that. There's an interpersonal distance that comes with that. I think, you know, our church would probably be very different in, um, I think much more of a top down CEO, you know, jump. And I tell them how high to jump kind of a thing. And there were probably, there have been <laughs> seasons of that here or whatever, but I feel like my journey for the last 25 years has been much more of, a as, as I'm allowing Jesus to in, enter into my own fears and insecurities, mm. I think it's helped me see where some of my ministry drive has actually been rooted in some unhealthy places. And even though it's, it's not, I can't just flip a switch on that. I definitely, we have been able to surround me with people on our team that, um, are, I think healthier in many of those ways. And, and, um, I think we've, created a culture, are creating a culture here that values humility, it values openness of heart, it values kind of embracing our own brokenness Mm -hmm. and letting Jesus into those places. Um, And so I don't even really want to think about where I would be or this church would be, but it would serve, I don't even know if I would still be here, honestly, because I think I'd, I would have burned out, Mm. would have burned out, um, Because um, it's a weird thing, but part of me, I my default is towards drivenness. But there's another part of me that has a really, it's sort of a, it's a pastoral kind of part of its unhealthy people pleasing side. But it's part of it's really caring for people, and so living in my body, in terms of that drivenness, but also not wanting to hurt people and. That that's ex- that's exhausting, honestly. Mm. If I'm trying to navigate that on my own, and so, yeah, so that's um, that's kind of where this plays in my own journey right now. Yeah, you know, one of the one of the things that's coming to mind here is see if I can form a question around it. Um, but as as you've been talking about this in your own journey. I think I came into this conversation thinking through intimacy more as something kind of out there to be experienced and I have to go pursue it and I've got to go find it and I've got to change things to go do it or whatever. Like it's this sort of aloof, somewhat scary kind of concept. Um, but as you're talking through your story, you're articulating a lot of self-awareness, a lot mm-hmm. of you, you're describing a wholeheartedness, but it's more of you coming into terms with your own self. And, and then I think there's an interaction that, that you're having with Jesus relative to who you are, how Mm. he's made you coming to terms with that understanding yourself. Like I'm hearing a lot of this in your story and, and it's changing the way that I perceive intimacy. Mm. Um, I have heard you describe, uh, describe this experience of God delighting in you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, talk to us a little bit about that because that feels like that's kind of where you're pointing this a little bit. Like there's a delight in God delighting you and experiencing that, but there's a little bit of you delighting Mm. yourself in this story too. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that's the second part probably of the journey for me. It's it's one, seeing my own brokenness, seeing what's going on in me, being honest about that. <clears throat> but then the other side is, the other part of this, I should say, is the reality of the gospel that 
um, in Christ, we have a God who delights in us and and so all that that broken quest of identity and affirmation and value and needing people to see me in a particular way, all those unhealthy ways of expressing that suddenly get met in Jesus. They get met in a whole way in him and finding my joy and my identity in him. And so, so much of, and this is where this course, the, it starts really before we talk about any practices or anything like that, it starts week one with how do you experience God? How do you perceive him? Is he scowling at you or is he smiling mm-hmm. at you? Because that that mm-hmm. one question makes all the difference in whether someone would even want to pursue intimacy mm-hmm. with this God. And so that has been, that is a part of my journey. And I really feel like it's a foundational part of intimacy with Christ. It's really understanding his heart for us, his love for us, his delight in us. And that, and this is so counterintuitive to the way most of us, including myself, were taught Christianity. It's so counterintuitive, but that's actually what transforms us. Mm. That's actually what transforms our hearts. It's when we experience him in the core of our being, and this gets to the right brain, left brain thing that mm-hmm. that we also talk about in the course a little bit. It's when we get, it, it's, um, you know, what, what I heard someone say, what transforms us is not what we believe, it's who we love mm-hmm. and who loves us. Hmm, that's good. I mean, that's like so foundational, um, mm-hmm. and yet it's so counter to the left brain approach to spirituality, which Mm. is think the right things and believe these doctrinal truths. And I'm I'm not minimizing that truth is important, but the right brain enables us to experience that truth. And the right brain is where we experience joy. It's where we experience being delighted in. So if our right brain is not engaged Mm. in a way where we actually feel the father's delight, Mm then we're just going to be stuck in a Christianity that I don't think is going to actually um, connect with our hearts um, and be life-giving. It's probably going to be more exhausting, more frustrating, Mm -hmm. um, more duty-oriented rather than experiential. Mm -hmm. It's funny you're talking about the, the left and right brain, and I'm thinking here because... I think my experience was not necessarily, you're talking about seminary and the intellectual faith. That wasn't particularly that. I think my upbringing was a lot more of the the prayer, the worship, and it was a, there were a lot more emotions involved. However, somehow I still found myself in a place where I felt like I had to please God. I had to prove myself worthy. And so, you know, I think it, it's, Maybe it's not even just about the intellect and the learning, the studying, but just your perception of God, like what you just said, and your ability to perceive and receive his delight in you, however you seem to be exercising your faith. And that was something I still had to practice and I still had to go through that journey of you know, you talk about mm-hmm. the parents delighting on the newborn baby. I think that's that's the picture that helps me the most to understand God's delight because it's the we we all understand looking at a newborn baby and 
you love the baby and he has done nothing. And I think that helps me personally so much because my I tend to always go to, well, but I did that bad or I did that good. Therefore, I deserve or I did that bad. Therefore, I don't deserve. You know, I think there's such a um, even though I didn't particularly have an intellectual faith, I, too, struggled with just receiving mm. the fact that God loves me period before I did anything or didn't do anything. So that's still an exercise that I had to go through to, to break through that barrier of experiencing yeah. him. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. Cause I do, I don't want to make it sound like all of us are engineer types, left brain people, even people who do tend to, they have experienced emotional worship. They have experienced these things, but if the right side of our brain is where our identity is formed and if our identity is not formed in being delighted in, then the performance can look like you're talking about. Right. It can still be a performance thing. It's worship and it's exuberance, but it it still doesn't. We're doing it as a way to... Right, the motivation. Right. Yeah. Rather than, and again, this is general categories, but rather than as a response to being delighted in, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I'm sure all of us taste of those moments and experience those things. I'm not saying it's black or white, right? but that has to be a foundation in my journey, at least. And I think for a lot of people, that's not the foundation. I think a lot of people will say they believe God loves them. They can quote memory verses. They can do Bible studies on it. But when yeah. you actually ask them if they live in the reality of God, God delighting in them and loving them. That's a, yeah. That's a different question. And I think a lot of Christians, if they're honest, you know, and their honest moments would say, I don't feel that. Hmm. Is there anything in this journey that you've been on, um, however long it's been that you can articulate, like this has been intentional. It's taking you to this moment. Is there anything that you're exploring right now relative to intimacy with Christ that you're just, you're wondering about or you're dreaming about or you're hoping for that maybe even you haven't experienced yet, but you're wanting to press into? Yeah, I think um, this whole idea of being delighted in and joy being a driver, a primary fuel in our brain. That's a new, a pretty Mm. new concept for me. Um, And yet when I heard it, suddenly I found all these connections in my own journey and Mm. the Bible and all this stuff. And so, but it is something that I'm really pressing into myself and journeying um, with others around me and our church as a whole, that idea of when you see joy as the primary primary kind of posture when our brain is healthy, when our right brain is healthy especially, and our right brain processes information faster than our left brain, so the right brain really is the control center, even though we typically don't view it that way. Mm-hmm. If joy really is in a healthy, mature, resting posture, what a person would be experiencing... That's fascinating Mm -hmm. because then the journey becomes how can I continue to engage my right brain in an experience of joy, in practices that actually um, stimulate um, joy on the right side of my brain, on the experiential side of my brain. Um, So, yeah, I'm intrigued by pursuing that 
growing in that. Uh, there are certain elements of this as I'm journeying that are finding their way into this course um, because it's something that I'm experiencing myself and I want us to experience together. So that would probably be uh, one thing that I'm, I'm um, experiencing and journeying in right now. That's great. That's so good. This has been wonderful. Mari, anything else? Stirring in your thoughts and mind over there? Mm, no, okay. I'm, I'm just eating it up. What he's saying. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Great stuff. Alan, thank you. Yeah, uh, thanks. For letting us dive into the story a little bit. And uh, yeah, we'll continue to have conversations with Alan uh, in future weeks. So thank everyone you. take care. Yes.